Welcome to the Tailored Life Podcast, the one and only fitness and nutrition podcast that goes way beyond just training and nutrition. I'm your host, Cody McBroom, and with me is my co-host, Travis McQueen. Today, we got a Q&A. Are we going uh, straight from Instagram on these ones? Um, sure. We have a couple from online that we can end it with, possibly. It's depending on how long you decide to talk. Yep. So... That's a wild card. All right, so we will jump right into it today. We have the first question. There's a lot of them. First question coming from Wonder Woman. Work in corporate is... Ex- Dude, there's a lot of abbreviations here. Work in corporate is accepting a VP colleague friend request on IG a good idea. Mm. Mixing professional and personal... Yeah. Yeah. I think uh it's a character limit here. Yeah. And this guys, if you're following me on Instagram, which I hope you are if you're listening to this, make sure you engage with the the story Q&As because a lot of times I do bring them here and if there's not enough room in that that question box and you want us to save the question for the podcast, you can always just DM me it. Um a lot of these I answer on my story and then I'll also bring here or I'll answer as many as I can on my story and then I come to this for the rest, but um make sure you engage with that as much as you can. Now, um <clears throat> This is an interesting question uh, for a few reasons, but especially because of the, the I don't know if climate is the right word, political climate, the worldviews. I mean, the world in general today, society today, this makes this a very interesting question. The first reason this is an interesting question is I don't, I'm not 100% sure what makes me qualified to answer this necessarily. Um, I appreciate that you respect my opinion, but um, I am a entrepreneur who works for myself so therefore, this does, you know, I don't really like it, this doesn't apply to me as much because I don't have like a colleague that. I mean, yes, I, you do. I have a lot of colleagues, but I'm saying like we're mixing, we're mixing professional and personal. Hundred yeah. percent. Like, okay, I'm just saying like I don't have anybody over me. So she's like a VP, a vice president. Like, uh, do I accept their friend request? Uh, you know what I mean. Yeah. On top of that, my business is online. Yes. So I have to be online publicly, not privately, <clears throat> which. Here's here's my opinion on it. Number one, if you don't accept the VP's friend request, now things look weird. Yeah. You know, because then, like, you got something to hide. You yeah. know what I mean? That's what it looks like, right? Or you have a reason why you don't like that person. So um, you're in this predicament. You might as well just accept them is my opinion. I also think nowadays it, there's, a, there's a lot of value in transparency and authenticity. And that doesn't just go for people who run businesses online. Like it's very important for myself because if I'm not authentic with what I believe in and who I am and how I operate, then there is a, I mean, there's, there's a, like a foggy filter, right? People don't know, people need to know the real me in order to trust me and then trust the business. Like it's part of why our business is successful. Cause I've always been very open and, and like when people meet me in person, I'm the same way. And that's really important. So I think it, as long as you're following that as a core value, then you shouldn't have any reason why not to accept somebody. Um, I mean, obviously nowadays it's, there's a lot out there that makes people skittish, you know, like it's, it's very hard to not offend somebody. So you always have to be aware of that. But I think at the end of the day, like if you're being a good human being and you're being authentic and transparently yourself, there's no reason why you should not accept somebody's friend quest. Unless you literally don't know the person, then of course don't accept them. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, in my case, it's a public profile, so anybody can follow me. It's different. But um, I would probably go out and say, accept that friend request at this point. Yeah. You're there. I, I see it in a different way. I see, like, yeah, I agree with you. Maybe, like, I, go and I see it two different ways. Like, accept it, 
I would also possibly advise you to Google how to limit what they can see. Mm. Um, can you do that on Instagram? Uh, ooh. I know you can hide your story from certain people. Yeah. But I don't know if you can hide posts. Yeah. You probably can. That's a good po- uh, point. I was thinking Facebook. Um, mm. You can pff, limit anything on Facebook. They on Instagram extremely. now. Extremely. Yeah. So it's a good Maybe you like can. That. But uh, yeah. Or like don't put out there what you don't want them to see. You know what I mean? I'm not, I, you, you kind of brought up the, the uh, example of offending somebody. I, I'm thinking if this is a professional colleague, you know, they're looking, maybe not they're looking, but stuff you're going to put out there might be something they don't want you representing their company with. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily if it's going to offend them, but if it might be poor miss, you know, rep- representation, representation of them. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, that's, and that's the hard part about today, I think. And obviously it's different for me because of the business we run, there's yeah. a lot more freedom and flexibility with all of the above, which makes it so great. But there's, you know, in the corporate world, I got to imagine it's hard because in one sense, it, it's like the the owner of the company may have that perspective of like, I'm trying to have eyes on everybody so I can make sure they're representing the company properly. But then the the person being employed can almost fight that back nowadays yeah. and be like, you know, well, I'm, I'm free to do whatever I want. You can't fire me over this or that or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then it just gets weird. There's just, I feel like there's so much murky water with everything now. And I'm also not in the corporate setting. So it's hard for me to even say, I just, I just real realistically. And this is why this is the part of like social media and the news and all that stuff I hate is I only see the negative sides of all this stuff because I'm not in that. Yeah. So all I see is, is issues, complaints, problems, negativity. I mean, that's why I don't watch the news most times because there is no positive news, unfortunately. Um, but it's hard to say, yeah. you know, I think at the end of the day to me, it's like, if, if I can't be myself, then I don't know what to do. I don't know how to be. So it's like, if you, if, if with that mentality, I think it's like my, my dad used to always say, um, if you don't lie, you don't have a story to remember. Yeah. It's the same exact concept. You know, if you're being yourself, you don't have anything to worry about because you're being yourself. There's nothing you can do. Sometimes people get a job offer because they're being fake at work. Maybe, mm. maybe, maybe they're just a hooligan at home and in their personal life and, you know, still yeah. doing crazy shit and they're extremely professional and smart in their realm and at work. So they go and put a tie on at the interview and, you know, yeah. and then they don't want their corporate seeing their personal life, Yeah, which is understandable. Yeah. You know, like I get it. There's a, there's a, there's a line, fine line, maybe not fine, but you know, there's a line of like, like I was saying the corporate world wants you to represent their company at the thing, but it also, maybe not anymore, but like if you go to work and you produce and you are an exceptional yeah. employee, what do they have to like, unless you're doing illegal shit then, yeah. but like, that's what I was going to say. As long, as long as you show up and perform, yeah. What is there to complain about? But it depends how big that company is. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's different if you're, like you said, if you're putting things online, that can get that company in trouble or cause the company issues. Of course, I get it. Whether you're performing at work or not, if things are going to ba- be backlashed onto them, that's but where it that's gets. Where, that's where that, how big that company is because whatever you do per- publicly on your personal life represents that company. Mm-hmm. If you're yeah. just, if you're a no, a nobody at that company, who cares? Yeah. But if you are a face. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, uh, and this is slightly different, but to a similar point, if, if you do, if you did get that job for, for kind of faking it, yeah. right, being something different, I can tell you right now, that's going to burn you out eventually. If you have totally. to like 
totally completely change your persona and who you are to show up at a place like you're not the right place yeah like, you know now if you if you like to go home and party do what like that's different i yeah. feel like but like if you're being a different person that's that's i mean that's gonna end up bad that's true so it's almost like if you have to i mean shit this might be a good opportunity to look at your work setting and then your personal life and go like if i have issues whether it's even not just like accepting a follow request but like in general if, if there's just this huge gap right or issue or contrast between the two maybe you kind of like relook at things yeah you know what i mean you should be able to be who you are everywhere you go whatever you do um but i would i mean in general yeah you should probably accept the the friend request (laughs) because if you don't they're gonna yeah you know i remember uh this is how like (laughs) bad my mom is still but was especially with facebook i think she got facebook like last year or something not that long ago but she would like like she wouldn't check notifications and I'm like you have like hundreds of like just clear these and she's like well somebody commented and I'm like okay and like well I haven't commented back yet you don't have to comment back on everything like well so-and-so posted I gotta like it right and like she thought like I was like mom Facebook isn't that small to where like they that's like them leaving you a voicemail and you're not returning the call it's it's not like that don't worry like um even like with friend requests and stuff she'd like leave them sitting there I'm like why don't you accept that she's like well I'm not really friends with them. I'm like, do you know them? Yeah. I'm like, I just accept them. Yeah. It's not like it's or deny it. Yeah. Or, yeah. Exactly. Do something. It's like this person's known you since high school, waiting on this or whatever. Yeah. You know, whatever this case may be. But I was like, Facebook's not that literal, mom. Don't worry about it. But oh, it's hilarious. Yeah. Accept the request. Yep. Probably best idea. All right. So we're just gonna move through these. Uh, we got next one from Lizzie Shell says, thoughts on infrared and sauna lights. I don't know a ton about these. Um, I'm planning on getting one. So that can tell you as I like them. <laughs> I think they're valuable. Um, Costco actually has a really good deal on an infrared sauna. What? Yeah, because I was looking at saunas for the yeah. the warehouse. And um, they have a good deal. I mean, of course they do. Yeah. And it's like a three-person. It's pretty Legit sick. size. It's dope. It's like the, at least the size of the bathroom. Yeah. At least. But um, it's sick. And so, it, and I think it was like three grand, which yeah. for a sauna is not too bad. Yeah. There's like some cheap ones on Wayfair that I'm like, eh, sketchy. And yeah. then there's like some like. Seven, eight thousand. Yeah. From yeah. that like Redwood, whatever yeah. company. Um, but it was like three, the three and a half barrel grand. ones. Yeah. <laughs> They're sick. Yeah. Uh, this one would be square, but, um, there's a lot of benefits, you know, the different. So, so here's what I don't know. The difference between infrared versus a regular sauna. I don't know how much different the benefits are. Um, I hear a lot of, uh, new things about infrared versus regular. So I got to assume that infrared is a little bit better. Uh, but in general, saunas are great for you. I think they're going to promote, um, I mean, well-being, it's going to be, you know, like this is kind of like a, like, I, I really don't want to say this, but um, like sweating out toxins and stuff like that. Um, I think a lot of people use sweating out toxins and detox tea, stuff like that as a way to like lose fat. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about, um, you know, sweating things, you know, sweating through your pores, your liver, all these kind of things. They, they do have a detoxification process. Um, so it's good to get in a sauna and sweat your ass off every once in a while. Um, it's also good to increase your core temperature and your, the heat on your body to exponential heights on a regular basis. There is some research, uh, and I don't know the exact numbers, but to show that going in a sauna, I don't know if it's every day or every week. They did it in, I think it was Sweden because their saunas are really big in Sweden mm-hmm. for some reason. Um, 
but I don't know if it was like 30 minutes of sauna, 20 minutes, 10 minutes a day, whatever it was, but it, it compared very similarly or if not the same to uh, cardio on cardiovascular health and longevity. So like if you can get the same benefit sitting in a sauna for a little bit as you can running miles, I mean, you're going to live longer, have a stronger immune system, better cardiovascular system without putting wear and tear on your joints. There's probably some, some good use for it on a regular basis, you know. Um, then there's like the ultra infrared stuff. Have you seen those where it's like a bar of lights? Oh, yeah. And you like, it's not even like a sauna. You just like sit in these red lights. I've heard stuff about those for like uh, um, skin issues, uh, like eczema. And, and there's one that I can't remember off the top of my head what it's called. It's, uh, it's, it's a little, I think it's more severe than eczema, but it's... Um, psoriasis, stuff like that. Uh, and I've heard good things about that for skin. So um, there's definitely usage there. Um, I'm a fan. I mean, yep. it costs a lot of money though. So it's, it's kind of one of those things like I, I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't be the type to get one at my house or do anything like that. It's just that we have so much space here at, and the goal is to make this like a, a whole like health center kind of like yeah. facility, you know, that it makes sense for us. But totally. Cool. We will go on to the next one and it comes from our very own Nick Love says, what is your Mount Rushmore of podcast interviews you've done? Mm. I think a better question is uh, what so would just be. changing it? I mean, it's hard because like Mount Rushmore of podcast. I don't know if I've, I've interviewed anybody on my Mount Rushmore, you know? Like if I think of Mount Rushmore has what? I think it's like. Is it four heads or five heads? No, it would be. Like what are your favorite interviews you've done so far? I know, but that's what I'm saying. Like, but when I think of Mount Rushmore, real quick, there's a four or five heads on there. I'm the wrong person to ask. Was it George Washington, Abe Lincoln? That's all I know. Five. Five? Let's just say five. Okay. Like the <laughs> five greatest yeah. podcasters that I would want to interview. I don't know if I've interviewed yeah. the five greatest people I would want to interview. If Four. I, oh, there you go. If I, if I look at um, the best interviews I've done or that I personally like, Eric Helms is up there for sure. Um, Dr. Eric Helms is one of the people that I've – uh, followed and learned from for a very long time. I mean, he's one of the very first people I ever met, not met, but like started seeking out. Uh, so having him on the podcast was an honor just because, I mean, we use his books for studying and teaching our new trainers and coaches, the internship process. Um, it shifted how I approach my own physique, own training, own diet, my own coaching, how I approach evidence. I mean, just so much like yeah. he's, he's up there for sure. Um, so he would probably be one of them for sure. I would put Lane Norton on there too, um, which isn't, I don't think it's like an impossible feat to try to get him on. We probably will we'll definitely try soon. Um, but he, him and Eric were the first two people that I sought out when I started trying to learn about everything. He was the first person I heard of um, reverse dieting from. He was the first person I heard about metabolic damage at the time. Adaptation mm. is what we turn it to now. Um, and really started like diving into a lot of his stuff. Again, we use his stuff to teach our, our coaches at the beginning. Um, so those two are there for sure. I mean, of course, I would throw Joe Rogan on my list. I mean, he's the GOAT, you know. Um, interesting fact, I didn't realize that podcasting was actually a thing in the late 80s, early 90s. Mm. Or maybe it was mid, early 90s, mid 90s. But I think so, yeah. long fucking time ago. Yeah. Um, to the point where you'd listen, you'd listen on your computer, Yeah. you know. Sit on your computer and listen to a podcast. And it, it didn't go anywhere. It just fucking died. It was like not good and then he was one of the first people to like basically not stop like he started doing it when it was dying off and he just kept fucking going and then like the rise of podcasts came totally with him so like 
he like kind of revived it, you know, he's definitely in there, um, for the top podcasters. And then, uh, you know, I, w- I would consider throwing the mind pump guys in there, which I've interviewed them already, uh, because they really motivated me to start a podcast, uh, especially when I like first met them. And so I met them before I had them on the show. Um, that was awesome. But like, man, it's hard for me to say who like is on Joe Rogan status that has a podcast that I would want. Yeah. You know, on, on ours. Oh, Andy Purcell. Duh. I don't know why I didn't think of that. Um, he's got one of the most downloaded podcasts there is out there. Um, and I don't know. He fires me up. His business is huge. I think he's got an interesting perspective on business because it's not like the typical business perspective. Whereas mm-hmm. like you learn from business owners and a lot of times it's very, very tactical. And I feel like his is very much so more organic, kind of like how ours Work is. Hard work hard, do the right things, give more, create value and be patient as fuck. Yep. Like his, his whole tagline he started was, um, aggressive patience or something like that. Mm. Like he's aggressively patient, which I think is a good way of looking at it. Super patient, but you're aggressive with your action in a patient manner. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd probably throw those ones up there. Cool. I think that's a great list. All right. Uh, Denise Domshai says I work from home and have a wide I work out from home and have a wide range of dumbbells. What equipment should I be adding? Mm, if I had to help you design your garage gym or your at-home gym, I'm going to name quite a few things here so don't feel like I'm saying you have to get them all cuz I understand that fitness equipment is not cheap. Um, but in this order what I would get is she said she had dumbbells and a wide range of dumbbells a wide range of dumbbells and that's it um so i'd get bands first and foremost i'd get a whole bunch of bands i'd probably get the um the two bands i use most commonly in our gym are uh, giants obviously and then elite fts i feel like those are the two best most of the other ones i've gotten just break pretty easily um i know rogue has some good bands too and i gotta imagine all the these top ones i'm suggesting they probably all make get them from the same fucking factory so it doesn't really matter um but Get get a wide range of bands with no handles, so no handle bands. It's just like a big-ass rubber band in different sizes. Um, then I would get a bench so that you can use the dumbbells for exercises on the bench. Um, then I would get a TRX and a pull-up bar because you got to hang the TRX from something. So get a pull-up bar to attach to the wall um, and then a TRX so you can or, – or a pair of rings. Mm. Um, and then I would get a barbell. And then finally, I would get a squat rack or a squat stand if you can. And if you do end up getting a squat rack or a stand, you might not even need the pull-up bar because you can hang the TRX yep. from that. But if you had that stuff, I mean, you're set and you can kind of do everything. Most programs that I write or even ones I write that don't have this stuff, you can make modifications to use these tools. But if you have dumbbells, bench barbell, squat rack, and then just bands and a suspension trainer like a ring or something, I mean, you literally can do anything. You can do all the pushes, the pulls, all uh, accessory and isolation exercises. You can have, uh, there's plenty of substitutes for machines that you can use with those tools. I mean, there's just countless things you can do with that. And the garage gym I had, it was a two-car garage in both houses. So we had, I've had two, I moved it from one to the next and everything fit in a two-car garage, which isn't massive. But I had a rower, an assault bike. I had a squat stand, not a squat rack, so a little bit smaller, um, with a barbell. I had a rack full of plates. I had adjustable dumbbells plus a 60, 70, 80, 90 um, size dumbbells. I had probably like five or six kettlebells. I had parallel bars. Um, I had a TRX. Um, what else did I have? Trap you, bar, you barbell. You had TRX in your garage? 
yeah, Jungle Gym, the one that's the red one over there in the corner. Um, and then I had, uh, I think that was it. But I had a plyo box and obviously like a weight vest, ab mat, like the yep. small stuff, exercise ball, jam ball. But I mean, I had quite a bit of shit in there for a two-car garage. No cars. No cars, ever. <laughs> <laughs> no storage, nothing. Um, I was very meticulous with two. I didn't want any storage to be in there. Yeah. Uh, we ended up having a shelf over the garage thing for like Christmas stuff because I was like, I don't want any bins on yeah. the ground. Yeah. But you also couldn't because you could barely walk through that bitch. Like it was, it was a tight fit, but yeah. everything was there. You know, I wasn't tripping over shit. It was functional. Like my daughter could walk around. She was fine. Like, um, so you can actually, if you organize it well, you can actually fit quite a bit yeah. in a, in a decent garage. Totally. So yeah, yeah that's good. Uh, good advice. I would say, let's go to the next one. It says, <clears throat> Adari Rob says, does caffeine or does coffee or caffeine or diet soda count towards water consumption since it's majority water? Um, yes and no. So there was a, uh, I can't remember. I, I don't remember when the study came out, but I know, I only know about it because Jeff Nipper talked about it in one of his videos way back. So I saw it from him and uh, it kind of went to to show that coffee consumption actually still did contribute to hydration because what a lot of people understand and, and, and assume greater than it really is is that um, and this is true coffee or caffeine is a diuretic so if you have a diuretic you do have to pee more like it's just part of it so they assume if you have to pee more that you're you're more likely to get dehydrated which also isn't necessarily untrue however they did show that caffeine consumption did contribute to hydration quite a lot, actually, more than you would think. So what that goes to show is that, you know, if you have a cup of coffee and there is some caffeine in there, yes, it might make you pee more, but there's also so much water inside that coffee that that's still going to contribute to your overall hydration. So you can't say that it doesn't count towards hydration. However, I think it's a better bet to just count water consumption. Like don't count your coffee towards it because it's just more practical and easy. Because, you know, some mornings you have a half a cup, some a full cup, some multiple cups. Some days you have an energy drink or three. Um, some days maybe you have stronger coffee than other days. You know, it all depends. Maybe you have, I, I, we ran out of coffee and I put decaf in there, you know, because I was like, I just need something in the morning to trick me into thinking I'm drinking coffee. It's warm. Yeah. It's warm. Yeah. And so that wasn't caffeinated at all. So I think it depends, but I wouldn't count it towards it. Um, it does count towards hydration. So there's something to say there, but um, it's an easier bet to just figure out how much water you need to drink per day and just try to focus on pure water consumption. I have a certain amount of pure water that I try to drink, and then I don't try to factor in, well, how many diet sodas did I drink? How many cups of coffee did I drink? Did I have any Gatorade today? Like All those things factor into it, kind of, but I just ignore those. My goal right now, which is more than it's been, and I'm just doing this for, for the challenge's sake, um, a gallon of water, pure water every single yep. day. So anything outside of pure water doesn't count, but um, I wouldn't count it. I want to take a brief moment to interrupt this podcast and shout out our sponsor, Legion Athletics, the world's number one best-selling brand of all natural sports supplements. Guys, if you're listening to this, you probably take supplements. I'm assuming you take a whey protein. You probably have some pre-workout. If you're really focused on health, you might take a, a multivitamin, a green drink, a fish oil, whatever it is. Legion probably has it. And they are going to be using science-backed ingredients. Everything is actually dosed effectively and clinically proven. Everything is naturally sweetened and flavored. Everything is lab tested, made in the U.S., and you're going to get a money-back guarantee. 
So the reason I'm bringing this up is not only because they're a podcast sponsor, but I truly value the team at Legion and I truly value what they are doing in the supplement space. And one of the things that is really frustrating for a lot of people that come to us is trying to find a brand where they can actually get quality supplements and they can trust the result that's going to come from them. Most people just search Amazon for the best result they can find and they trust Amazon reviewers. And don't get me wrong, if something has a lot of stars and good reviews, that's awesome. But you can also pay people to leave reviews. So go with a company that you can trust that is backed up not only by science and actual researchers in the lab doing things, but coaches like myself who have tons of experience and use the stuff on a regular basis. So guys, stop wasting money. Stop searching and searching and searching for the best product out there and just jump on Legion Athletics. They are the best and I promise you that. You can head over to buylegion.com slash boom boom and save 20% on your first order and start earning points so you can get kickbacks on future orders and eventually free products. So one more time, that's buylegion.com slash boom boom. Without any further ado, let's get back into the podcast. Did you want to add something to that? No. Okay. So we'll go to the next one. It is from... Uh, oh, same person, Audrey Rob says, how important is creatine timing? Um, it is shown to be uh, significant enough in the research to talk about, but I don't think it's uh, statistically significant enough to encourage people to really worry mm. about it. So the reason I say that is because research does show that creatine timing is, is like the optimal time for creatine consumption is going to be post-workout. Um, I believe usually they say as well with food, ideally carbs and protein. That's just the way the storage of creatine works best is post-workout with creatine and protein. Or I'm sorry, carbs and protein. Um, however, we also got to consider how these studies are run and uh, whether or not saturation levels are. This is what I don't know. So this is just, I don't know if it's even listed in there and I also haven't looked at this research in a long time. Um, but there's enough research to point at it doesn't really matter that, you know, there's, I, I don't know if it's equal to, but let's say it's equal. There's an equal amount of research saying post-workout is best. And there's an equal amount of research saying that it doesn't matter at all as long as you get it. And the reason the research says that it doesn't matter is because creatine gets saturated in your bloodstream and in your muscle mm -hmm. cell. So if you have high creatine levels, what I put down today doesn't really matter. I already have creatine in me. So it's kind of like, um, hmm. What's a good analogy for this? I mean, you know, it's almost like, and this is, I don't know why you would ever do this, but what I think of is you got a full bathtub and you open the drain and you turn on the faucet, right? It's going to stay at the same level because it's draining and the faucet's pouring in, mm. right? So the water, the Not water, but the okay. water level never changes because you're pouring in as much as you're taking out constantly. Not necessarily. Well, unless if, we get really fucking technical about the bath and say drains, the drain's bigger than the faucet, of okay. course. But the point is you're okay. pouring in the same amount as you're okay, putting okay, out, okay. right? So it's maintaining. Gotcha. So if it's maintaining, what matters is what's already in there. So if you're taking creatine for, I, I want to say the saturation period is one to two weeks. So let's say you've been taking creatine for four weeks. Your, your bathtub's already full. What you pour in there is not necessarily going to matter. It's just that it stays full and you keep pouring into it so it stays full, right? So with creatine, if I take it post-workout, cool, that is the optimum time for absorption. But if I already have full creatine saturation constantly, I'm just adding to that pool to keep that going. I'm realistically using creatine now, pre-workout, during workout, post-workout, after workout constantly because it's my saturation levels are full. Yeah. Therefore, it wouldn't fucking matter at all when you take it as long as you take it every 24 hours. So I know when I was, uh, before I was with Legion, I was just taking pure creatine. I would always do it in the morning with my greens drink. 
I didn't train till 3 p.m. The reason I did that is because that's when I would remember to do it. I had a habit of making a green drink in the morning, pour it in there. That way I don't ever forget it. Yep. Now they have a post-workout, so there's more than just creatine in there. And so I have it on. I literally, when I take my pre-workout out, I take my post-workout and I put it on my desk so I don't forget to take it. And when I'm walking out of my office, I see it on my desk. I take it before there I leave, go. drink it on the way home. So what's most important, though, is to just take it every 24 hours and do it at a time that you're going to remember. So it's kind of splitting hairs to worry too much about the yeah. timing. All right. Good, good. All right. Let's go to the next one. It says from Rachel Wheeler. Uh says, How do you figure somebody how do you figure out someone's activity level? I happen to struggle with this. It's a very uh knowledgeable, educated guess. <laughs> because you don't really ever know. Uh partially because it changes all the time, you know. Yeah. So like even with for example, if I have Somebody who works, uh, trying to think of a, sh- a, a job that is active but has a weird schedule. Police would be this. There's certain police officers that work uh, like four days in a row, long hours, and then multiple days not. Firefighters. Right? Firefighters as well. Yeah. Um, but like point being when they're working, they're moving, 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 moving. And then they have four days off where they're probably not doing shit. Yeah. Rightfully so. They're just chilling. Um Maybe they go to the gym. But the activity level between those two is very different, right? If we look at a weekly basis, it might work out. But at the same time, if it's four on however many off, it might not work out to seven calendar days anyway. Um, point being is, is you can never be 100% accurate, right? On top of that, uh, your sleep matters. Your sleep changes. Your training intensity and effort and volume will shift and change day to day. Even if you're on the same program, you might put more effort in one day versus the next. Um, so it shifts and it swings quite a bit. Um, even the composition of your food. So certain food has a higher thermic effect food. So if you have less processed food, you're going to have a higher thermic effect food because processed food is already processed. It's already partially broken down. Your body doesn't burn as many calories digesting it. So now I think it's, uh, you'll go crazy. And I think it's just doing way too much to try and like, think about the thermic effect of food and balancing only having a certain amount of processed food on these days, you know, like fuck that it's going to change. It's fine. Um, point being is you're never going to accurately know exactly how many calories your body's burning per day. So you just got to make an esti- estimated guess. I like the, uh, like the Harris Benedict formulas are all, all great. Um, the St. Mifflin Dior tends to work the most accurate in my opinion, but nothing's as accurate as having somebody track for five to seven days and then taking their average weight. I mean, ideally two weeks if you can, but usually you can't, but if you can take somebody's average weight after weighing in every single day for, for seven to 14 days, and you take their average calories after tracking their calories every day for seven to 14 days, you will know exactly how many calories it takes to maintain their weight, mm. right? Because if you weigh in every day for the, for seven, 14 days, or you have tons of info about a client coming on board and they've been maintaining their weight constantly and they're consuming on average per week, 1900 calories, well, then you know that it takes 1,900 calories to maintain their weight. I don't give a shit if the formula says 2,300 or 1,600. 1,900 is what's maintaining their weight. Go yep. off of that. That's yep. their maintenance, which leads to their TDEE, right? Total daily energy expenditure is basically your BMR times an activity multiplier, which is basically going to go find out your BMR, your basal metabolic rate. How much does it take your body? How many calories does it take your body to just survive and do nothing? And then times it by an activity multiplier, which are just calculations that are made from scientists that they believe are accurate, right? There's no way of proving it because there's been times where I'm like, this person tells me that they, they're 
moving a bunch and they train really fucking hard. So I'm going to say 1.6 times their BMR, but their maintenance is like 1.3 times mm-hmm. their BMR, which is common. I think people overestimate how hard they're training stuff. Um, like for example, me, I'm typically like there's, there's an activity multiplier of sedentary plus four to six days of vigorous training. That's me. Like I'm basically sedentary. I go on walks. I move more than a very lazy sedentary person, but I don't, I'm not doing labor all day. Labor for us was connecting a cord for Wi-Fi yesterday. (laughs) Um, And then I train really hard five to six days a week. You know what I mean? So um, I always kind of err on the side of go on the, like if you think your activity multiplier is 1.5, drop to the one below it. It's probably a safer bet. Um, And then compare that with your average intake and weight that you calculate over the course of seven to 14 days. Totally. That's probably the best way to do it. All right, cool. Let's uh, move on a couple more here. Um, Ooh, that's good. Same person. Rachel Wheeler says, how do you periodize a plan for someone who has 50 plus pounds to lose versus someone with less than 20? The same exact way on a longer timeline, probably. Honestly, because I think that, so for example, if I have somebody who has less than 20 pounds to lose, I might go, hey, we are going to do uh, a three to four week deficit with a four to seven day, so like a half a week to a full week diet break every three to four weeks. So maybe it's four weeks on, one week off for easy math. And we're going to do a 15 week diet. Pretty simple. Four weeks on, one week off. Four weeks on, one week off. Four weeks on, one week off. We're done. Now we can reverse diet. It's 15 weeks. We should be able to lose that 20 pounds, let's say. Um, Or maybe we take it further and we go three on, one off for 24 weeks because 20 pounds, we want to lose it slower, maintain muscle. That's probably more accurate. That gives us some wiggle room. That's only um, 20 weeks of dieting, four weeks of maintenance for 24 weeks, six months total. That would actually be probably perfect for a 20 pound weight loss. Um, Now for somebody who has 50 pounds to lose, that three weeks on, one week off might become six weeks on, one week off, mm. right? Or even eight to 10 weeks on, one week off, right? Or it's fucking 16 weeks straight followed by a four to eight week diet break and then repeat. The point is, is uh, 12 weeks to one person is 24 to another, 24 to one person, maybe even like a year long process to another, right? I know a year long diet sounds like a long time, but if you're taking maintenance phases and diet breaks, things like that, it's really not dieting in a deficit for 365 days. That's not the case. Um, and, and for somebody who has a lot of weight to lose and we want to do it for the long run, we might make a less aggressive of a cut and just go slower. So the thing with this is that now that I speak it more into existence, they're very different, but they use the same principles just with different levels of intensities and durations. That's yeah. all it is. It goes back to that, that infographic I made where there's the intensity, duration, and frequency dials, right? How often are you dieting? Which is going to dictate how often do we do cuts versus diet breaks or maintenance phases? How hard, which is the intensity, how aggressive are you being? And then the duration is how long is this cut going to be, right? The whole process we're just dialing those things slightly different for different people, but all of them are going to follow a very similar sequence, right? We know that an aggressive diet is going to be 20 to 30% of a deficit. We know that a more moderate is like 10 to 20. We know like a very sustainable slow approach is five to 10% of a deficit, right? So that's our intensity. Then we know the duration is probably going to be anywhere between 12 weeks to 24 weeks. Unless somebody has 50 plus pounds to lose, it might be a full year of dieting with a full year of, of following a nutrition plan, I should say in coaching, but we have, intermittent diet periods throughout that because you're not going to diet for a year straight Mm -hmm. in a deficit um that's going to dictate our duration though and then the frequency is is that duration 
in another form, really like, okay, we're doing the duration of 12 weeks, but we're going to do this three times throughout the year. So three quarters of the year, we're dieting to get you to your 50 plus pound weight loss goal. And we intermittently put diet breaks in there to break that up. Yeah. Right. So, um, same methods and strategies. It's just broken up differently depending on the goal, uh, and the situation of the person. But in general, the same tactics are going to be applied. I mean, fat loss is fat loss. And we're, regardless of where the starting point is and where the ending point is, we're trying to lose fat in a sustainable manner um, while maintaining as much muscle as possible yeah. and, and preserving hormonal health. Like, that's usually the goal. So, Touche. That's answering your question without really answering it. Yeah. <laughs> I think I had a lot more explanation, though. Yeah. What they were, I think that's what they were wanting. Yeah. There's no black and white answer to it. All right, cool. We will go on to the next one. It's from Karma Alessa. It says, food... Organic or not, and why? So I'm saying, should we shop organic? Sometimes, yes. Sometimes it doesn't matter at all. So there's a lot to, to kind of pick apart here. Um, for example, the there's like the famous Dirty Dozen. Um, have you ever heard of this? Nope. Or the, it's not Sinful Seven. I think that's a movie, but um, something seven. But it's basically like this like list people put together and it's uh, like the Dirty Dozen would be like it's 12 foods that you you want to eat organic because X, X Y, Z. Yeah. Okay. Which is not scientifically supported whatsoever. Mm. It's like a random list that somebody put together and it caught on like wildfire and kudos to them. They crushed it with that. But um, and some of them kind of make sense. Some of them, I don't know. Um, but what we're looking at here for organic, number one the first thing I would always suggest doing is when you look to buy organic, if you're buying a organic brand, try to determine if that brand also has a non-organic brand. If they do have a non-organic brand, you might have a reason to be more leery and maybe you should look it up. For example, Foster Farms, which is very popular in the United States. I don't know if it is elsewhere. Um, it's been known for like, if, have you ever seen like the documentaries on just like I know of them, yes. Food and animal cruelty and yeah, just, like, yeah. gross, like, farms with, like, chicken coops and just, just, just disgusting, yeah. right? Um, we had to watch it in school in, like, one of the nutrition classes. But, for example, Foster Farms, one of those people that has something like that, right? And then they also have an organic one. <laughs> are they on the same vicinity? What are they separated by? I've heard rumors and stories, and who knows if they're rumors or not, but of, like, this is the organic side of our farm, this is the non-organic, and there's, like, a, a string fence, Across, mm. what is stopping yep. <laughs> things and spray and, and bacteria and bugs and stuff from going from one to the other or mixing up? It's not a lot of it's just labeling, right? Um, I might not get organic from Foster, right? Now, may not get Butcher Box. Butcher Box does not have a non-organic, non-grass-fed, non-cage-free source. Yeah, that's probably a good place to go. Yeah. You know, um, a good way to tell too is like if you get their Steaks, they're not as big yeah. as the steaks you'll get at the store. Their chicken breasts are not as big as the ones you get at the store. Why is that? It's because they're not pumping their chickens and cows with steroids. Or hormones. Or, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, and salt, too. That's a, that's a big thing, too. They pump them with a ton of sodium and shit like that to, to fluff them up, but um, to fluff the meat up after it's already taken out. So, water and sodium into the chicken breast. But um, they don't do that. So, I would try to aim for those. Now, the other question is, like, do we need organic? Eh. This one's hard because there's there's not a lot of research proving that it's going to do that much of a difference for you. Um, I don't think they could do research on whether or not you would be 
more or less likely to get E. coli or some kind of like yeah. salmonella or something like that, you know. Um, I don't know if they have research on the like how long organic lasts versus the other one, if the freshness matters like that. Taste is always a thing. So a lot of people know this, like certain like grass-fed beef, grass-fed eggs, they taste better. When you get organic cage-free eggs, they taste better typically. Um, I've also heard that, and this would make sense, that um, when injecting animals with hormones uh, in order to fluff them up, get them bigger, um, and all those kind of things, they, uh, I mean, in our body, lipids, fats, are what help store hormones, right? That's why when you get super fucking lean, it's very hard to have good hormonal health because you don't have fat on your body to store the hormones. It's also why a lot of hormone-based vitamins and minerals like vitamin D, it's a fat-soluble vitamin. So you should take it alongside fat-based food or have fat in your body to store it. Um, it's also why they say intaking enough fats in your diet is important. It's why saturated fat intake is, is uh, correlated to higher testosterone levels, so on and so forth. So if we know this, then we could probably assume that the fattier the food you're consuming, the better it is to be organic. And the reason I would say that is because it's more likely that those hormones are injecting are going to be in the fat of whatever it is. So if you're getting a ribeye, I'd probably aim for a grass-fed organic ribeye because if there's hormones and steroids and stuff in that, it's probably going to be in the fat versus a chicken breast. It's very, very lean. Maybe it's not that important, you know, not as important. Um, so if we're talking about cost here, I would go with fattier foods, go with organic. Um, and then this is theoretical, but it would make sense um, if the fruit or the vegetable has a shell or skin that is protecting the actual food itself, it's probably okay to have non-organic. And that would make sense because a banana, you don't eat the fucking peel, but the peel is a like a it's a layer it's an armor around the banana and that's probably going to stop pesticides and bugs and bacteria and stuff from getting into it an avocado same thing apple maybe so it's going to be a protecting layer but you also typically eat the skin. The, the skin so maybe maybe not um but for example berries probably a better choice to go organic spinach broccoli things like that probably a better choice to go organic because you're eating all of it yeah um that's so, my two cents so you'd still put apple in that category What's the difference between eating a the only, blueberry and an apple? The only reason I wouldn't is because the apple is a hard layer. Mm. You don't you don't get a lot of nutrients from the skin. It's fiber. It's I mean it's not broken down, so it helps you shit. I uh. mean, um, and it's also a protectant layer to getting into it. The blueberry, not so much. You know what I mean? You can have microscopic pokes into the blueberry, you wouldn't even know, like because it's you eat the whole thing right there. Yeah. Um, and it's a soft layer of skin. Um, True. Same with strawberries, blackberries, stuff like that. Um, that's the only thing I would say with those. An onion probably doesn't matter. It's a huge shell. You're going to peel that skin and that shell off of it. And Multiple you're times. Inside. Yeah, exactly. Um, the other thing too is there's, I'm not aware of any research really. Um, and this isn't a topic I've dug into extensively, so I, I can't be 100% certain of this. But I've also heard other intelligent people talk about this who are more um, invested in the research of, of any kind because that's what they do. And uh, there's not a lot of research proving that you're going to have better blood and health markers with organic versus non-organic. There's really not. I think it's more about um, quality care of the animals. Like if you care about the animals, they're going to have a better quality life. It's organic typically because non-organic farms typically just treat animals like shit and they have like genetically modified animals and animals run around with like three legs eating their own shit and it's fucked up. It's disgusting. Um, <laughs> watch the documentaries and it's not, it is not pleasant. a pleasant sight. Um, so part of it is like that, you know? The other part of it is uh, 
maybe it tastes better. Maybe it doesn't, but I don't think there's much evidence to show like you're going to be healthier if you eat organic. You're yeah. definitely not going to lose more weight. There's no difference there, but it's hard yeah. to say. I would have a hard time believing that eating a chicken that has three legs eating its own shit tastes better than one that doesn't. But maybe you, you wouldn't know. Yeah, fuck, dude. It's the muscle, not the... Yeah, you're right. You know what I mean? It doesn't taste like literal shit. Yeah. So it's hard to say. Yeah. I don't know. I, I always tell people it's splitting hairs. Don't If you can afford to get organic and you believe in it and you believe in um, animals having a better life before they get slaughtered for you to eat, which I would venture out to say I do, and I try to buy organic when I can, um, or local. I think local is actually something people don't think about that's even better. Because um, local, typically, the farm that is local, A, doesn't have enough financial backing or enough commercial real estate to create the size of a farm needed of a non-organic farm, like Foster yeah. Farm or something like that. Um, two, they probably don't have the money to actually get the labeling and the testing to be called organic, which means that the only way they can write organic is if it's on a fucking sign that they write with Sharpie because they're at the, the farmer's market, which that's fine. And then three, a local food stand or a local butcher, anything like that, the travel of the food is far less. So we go to a butcher up here in Buckley, you and I, and their farm is local. Yep. So they're getting a cow from down the street, which means that it spent way less time traveling, way less time in the freezer, way less time on the shelf. If you get an organic steak that was a farm in Venezuela, I mean, that's traveling on boat or plane. It's traveling on a truck Both. or a train, um, or I'm sorry, a boat or plane, and then a truck or a train, whatever it takes to get you here. That's a long time for bugs, pesticides, other contaminants. Yep. You know what I mean? So longer it has to travel, probably the worse it is as well. True. So local is probably the best bet. All right, we will go to the next one here. It's the last question. Uh, it's a man. This is gonna be hard. What is your favorite song at the moment? Oh my gosh! Um, can, we, can we do? Can we change this question to favorite artist? <laughs> I mean, what is playing most recently? Yeah, that's probably the most. I, I'm yeah. so indecisive with music. It's fucking hard. Um, okay, so Meek Mill came out with a new album. Um, wasn't the biggest fan. Also, didn't give it a huge chance. Cause I didn't listen to it very extensively. I listened to it like one time through and then stopped. Dude. Um, and this happened with the Drake album. I wasn't a fan of the new Drake album and I did give that multiple listens. I mean, I, I, I tried to really like that album. The certified lover boy. Yeah. Still it's better than Kanye's album, but it's just not that tight. Wow. I like the song with Rick Ross. There was like one or two other songs that were cool, but I think Drake's mystique and like his, his aura and his sweat, like it's dope. Like, and he's, he created a genre in itself, so I love Dre, and he's dope. I just did not think that album was that great. I think his other albums were way better. But what that did is sent me in a tailspin of listening to all of his old shit. So, yeah. like, the Meek Mill album came out, and now I find myself listening to a ton of old Meek Mill and MMG. Um, so, right now, I've been playing a lot of uh, MMG Self-Made Volume 1 and a lot of uh, old Meek Mill's Dream Chasers mixtapes. Classics. Yeah. Shit I listened to in high school. Um, or that... The Kid Leroy's dope. There we go. Listen to I him. forgot his name, but yeah. Yeah, he has a newer album too. I yeah. need to listen to it because I haven't even... He has a newer one than that? Yeah, I just haven't listened to it yet. Oh. But it's pretty pretty I recent. Thought, I thought that was it. No, it's very recent. Um, it's that, You ever hear that song with Justin Bieber and him? Yeah, Stay. Yeah, it's yeah. it's the one that that song's on. I thought all those were on that. Uh, no, oh. no. That song is called uh, Fuck Love Savage. It's like says fuck love and then in parentheses says savage. Great album, but his newer one, I have only heard the Justin Bieber song, which oh, I'm not a fan of. Yeah. So I just don't really Ouch. like Justin Bieber. I think oh. it's cool, but I don't like his music. Damn, um, that sucks. Doesn't suck. Um, <laughs> I'm a believer. Not a believer. Um, I feel for him. Once I heard that song, 
uh, I think it's called like Lonely or something. Yeah. I heard that and was like, fuck, dude. I feel bad for saying shit about you. Yeah. I can't imagine your life. Yeah. That sucks, dude. Yeah. You're like constantly. And then that video Roland shared where he was like trying to get in his apartment. Yeah. All those people are like, he's like, hey, you know that place you love to go home and just chill and just relax? Yeah. You're home? Yeah. This is mine. I just go in. I was like, damn. <laughs> Kudos to you for staying so calm, first yeah. of all. And I can't imagine. I would be so annoyed. Yeah. I'd be like. Yeah, I'm not even going to say. Me and Cameron Andrews are going to the concert on, oh, in February. Sure you are. Are you taking Shannon with you? No. Nope. She would love to go. She's been to a couple. Um, anyway, uh, he's dope. But I, I, my shit is so over the map. During the day when I'm working, I listen to uh, jazz okay. hop. It's like lo-fi beats, but it's jazz and hip-hop put together. Kenny G. It's not Kenny G. It is I mean, Kenny there's G. probably some Kenny G samples in there <laughs> with like a with like a, a snare, like a, a snare and bass line yeah. of hip hop, you know. Yeah. But um, it just works for working. If I'm driving with the family, it's usually Oasis until Shannon finally gets a hold of it and puts country on, because yeah. um, that's pretty chill music. If I'm lifting, it's usually Meek Mill, MMG, Rick Ross, Jeezy, Kid Leroy, DMX, Nas, MGK, MGK's in there. So usually, of- usually like East Coast gangster rap, and then like some MGK or Kid Leroy's like thrown in there into the mix. Um, and I've always loved grunge, so like I can't even say what my f- favorite song is. Such a dude, that's insane. How yeah. am I? If if I had to say one single song that is my favorite song ever, fuck you, goodbye. No, <laughs> no. Um, it is. It's a toss up. One of them is for sure would be Big Sean, bigger than me. Not because it's the best song ever, but because of what he's talking about and how the song is produced. Like, he has a choir involved, like, the way he goes about it. His mom comes in and shares a story at the end. Like, it's just an epic song, and it's talking about building something bigger than him. And I always think of TCM when I listen to it, and, like, that song fires me the fuck up. And then I would say second to that is probably uh, on the opposite end of the spectrum, uh, Ready or Not by Meek Mill, which is that old Fuji's beat and he's talking about dreams in the beginning and then he just goes off yep. on, I mean, just really good verses. But fuck, dude, I love that old Jay-Z song interlude where he goes, uh, remind me to introduce myself. My yep. name is Hove and then the yeah. beat drops. Yep. I watched a documentary and he was walking by, do you know who Just Blaze is? Nope. Just Blaze is a producer. Just Blaze? He's very, very, like that's at the beginning of all of his songs. 400 bars by the game is his beat. He has, oh, yeah. He's a very, very famous uh, he doesn't do much anymore, but like in the early millennium, very famous uh, producer, DJ. And uh, Jay-Z was walking by his studio to get to the next one because it was one of those buildings with a bunch of studios, you know, and heard the beat, stopped. And of, of Interlude? Of the Interlude, yeah. That's what the song's called. That beat was for somebody else, but he heard Just Blaze. He walked in and said, can I spit on it and just spit a freestyle? And then that's the song. That's why he called it Interlude because it's just like a between track song on totally. the Black Album. That's but It's like the dopest song ever. And the documentary was cool because it just talks about like, here comes Jay-Z just walking by and just pops in and goes, yo, let me take that and just drops a freestyle. And it turns out to be that. Where's that at? Netflix? Uh, that was on YouTube, I think. Oh. Yeah, I think I was watching, a, I don't remember if it was called The Black Album, but it was a documentary about Jay-Z. It showed a little bit of the Linkin Park stuff in there too. Like it showed his like work with them afterwards. It was dope. Yep. But yeah, that's a long-winded answer because I can't answer that. Cool. All right. Well, that was the last one for the day today, guys. So, uh, as always, 
Leave us a five-star rating and review. Share this on Instagram if you love it. Share it with a friend any way you can. We want to spread this message, and we appreciate you guys listening.